0: And I think that's one reason that people love to come here because you have the show itself, you have a building that's over 130 years old. There's just all these different experiences rolled into one when you come here.
1: This is the Community of Theatre podcast, where we shine a spotlight on the community theaters, the local theaters, the amateur educational and outreach theaters, the not-for-profit theaters of all kinds that stage over 25,000 productions across America every year. Today, we're going to talk about historic buildings, the unique challenges faced by companies that occupy and perform in historic spaces, as well as the opportunities they provide. And to do that, I am joined today by Lisa Holcomb, executive director of the historic Bastrop Opera House here in Bastrop, Texas. Hello. Hi. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how'd you get here?
0: Well you know I first became involved with this particular theater probably 16 years ago and actually that was through my own children uh-huh. who became involved in the theater here and I started off just volunteering um and working uh, with With the volunteers, and then finding myself, of course, on the stage because that's really where I wanted to be mm-hmm. <laughs> was on the stage. And I've worked under some amazing directors here over the last sixteen years. That's about how long i've I've been here yeah. in the opera house. and um eventually became on the board of directors. And when our previous executive director, Mr. Chester Eitz, retired, then I went off the board and became the executive director at the time.
1: And that is, it sounds like it could combine both administrative and artistic duties. Is that the case? It is. Okay. Very much so. so did you have a theater education or? You know,
0: I, I did not. Yeah. I did not have a theater education. So this education. was the start of it. It was It was, it this was yes. Was it? I, c- I consider it on-the-job training, very wow, intense on-the-job training. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what can you tell me about this place? Because it's it, it looks like a beautiful historic building and everything that entails. It's hardwood floors everywhere. It's an mm-hmm. uh, enormous room. It it looks like a vaudeville stage. Is that? Is it,
0: you're then? spot on. That's okay. what it was. Right. So I've often said if walls could talk, mm-hmm. um, the stories that these walls could tell for a building that's over 130 years old. It was built in 1889. And it, it was built by two local merchants. Mm-hmm. And the story is told, and I believe it's correct, that... It cost all of about $15,000 to build this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which I'm sure was an astronomical number at the I'm time. I'm sure but.
0: it was. I'm sure that was quite an investment for them. But it was vaudeville. that it, mm-hmm. it hosted traveling shows that would come through mm-hmm. for the first few years. And then when the silent movies came out, mm-hmm. it became a silent movie theater. And it was that until the talkies came out. It's a lot of your soldiers over at Camp Swift would come in on the weekends and hang out here. Then in the late 50s, early 60s, it became what is known as the Teen Tower. And that was a hangout place for the teens. Uh They would have their dances here, parties here, um, proms here, some graduations. Um, we actually have a picture of one of the first graduations that was held here in, in 1901.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's a, that's a really cool picture wow. to see. Yeah. yeah, And then, you know, it really became in disarray. It, it wasn't being taken care of. I think they just didn't have the funds to keep yeah. a building like this up. And so in the late 70s, a group of citizens got together and purchased it and renovated it back up. And it became a nonprofit in 1984 okay. and has been a theater since then, just doing theater.
1: So during the, the 70s, that first group was mm-hmm. trying to do this sort of thing just in a profit model. Right, yes. Yeah. Which to I imagine it. is quite difficult in a small town anywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say nothing of a rural place like this. Right. I mean, Bastrop has exploded, like most of the, the Austin area, over the past 15, 20 years. So I'm sure the, the town is much larger now than it was then. Oh,
0: yes, much so. You're right, it is exploding.
1: Do you use the story of the building, I guess, in any capacity? Do you use it in pledge drives? Do you...
0: We use it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you mentioned the a has, plaque out front. Yes, yes, it has such a rich and vibrant history. Mm-hmm. Our mayor, uh, Bastrop, um, Connie Schrader, can tell you about her husband, Charlie, who used to come here and... Up underneath the stage, it was open at one time, apparently, and they used it for a, a gun range. What? Yes, and they would lay on their stomachs and, and shoot. It was a gun range under there.
1: To just toward toward the back of the... Uh-huh. Is it I, It's just a concrete wall back there, so it was...
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've tried to visualize it myself many times, wow. but I've heard many stories about it, including her husband, who... Who did that as a boy?
1: That is mm-hmm. interesting.
0: There are so many stories. Yeah, about this building, it's, it's it is really is fascinating.
1: Have they been documented? Are there any any books, documentaries, or anything that?
0: No, there's there's stories that have been written down, but there hasn't been a book per yeah. se of the Bastrop Opera House.
1: Does the Opera House have those? The
0: museum has some of them. The, the museum mus- yes. is is
1: that part of the Opera House, or is that? Oh no, in, in no, the, that's
0: that Bastrop County Texas Historical. Museum.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: You know, there's not too many historical opera houses left mm-hmm. in America, let alone Texas. And not too many of those have been functioning through their whole existence. Yeah. They've they've gone into some sort of a disarray at some point and had to be worked on, had to be brought back to life. Yeah. So it's pretty common.
1: I'm curious about that. I, I have I kind of noted mentally as I was setting up this episode that we have this venue, um, the Gaslight Baker in Bastrop, and the Palace up in Georgetown all in the kind of greater Austin area, mm-hmm. but I really don't have a sense for how representative that is on the national scale.
0: And I couldn't give you that exact yeah. number either, but I know that there's, there's really not that many left.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're, they're beautiful places and they're really- Yes, they are. They're, they're a different experience. It's different to move through these spaces, right, to sit in these right. places and yeah. see a show in mm-hmm. these spaces. It,
0: and I think that's one reason that people love to come here from outside of mm-hmm. our own county is it's, it's an experience mm-hmm. in many different levels because you have the show itself, you have the experience of coming into a building that's over 130 years old. Yeah. It's a beautiful building.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, it, there's just all these different experiences rolled into one when you come here.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess the the main reason that I wanted to talk about this building in particular for this episode, uh, because I wanted to do an episode on historic buildings since I had the idea for the podcast, is that I did a show here about 10 years ago, and while it's it's a really cool space, it appeared to have some serious problems and at the time i thought to myself man i hope this building doesn't you know kind of collapse in the next five years right. there as i recall there were these huge water stains on the tops of the ceilings so because what the mm-hmm. ceilings what 20 feet high something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so i imagine it's very hard to get up there and repair uh it's not a do-it-yourself kind of job so right. what's the story how how has this venue gotten back to uh very nice shape that it's in now
0: well thank you for noticing it. <laughs> It has been a a lot of hard work, a labor Mm -hmm. of love over the last several years. And yes, uh, what you were seeing was a roof that was in very, very ill repairs. It needed Mm -hmm. a new roof. And so the previous director, Mr. Ice, was trying to raise funding to get that done. And during that time, we had a new board that was formed. And that board, I would say, really took it to heart what needed to be done to fix the, the roof. Mm-hmm. We were able to get a grant from the city as well as a grant from Blue Bonnet. And it was about a $50,000 job, which is wow. why you know, it had not been done. Yeah, that's, that's enormous. Right, for a for small nonprofit theater, it was.
1: Yeah. I mean, I imagine that's larger than the combined budget of an entire season for most community theaters. Exactly,
0: yes. Yeah. So that was an enormous step and to helping to preserve, and then we had to fix the things like the walls where what you were seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, but, um, I, I'll tell you a story how bad it was. You talk about being able to see uh, watermarks and so forth. Right. The roof was leaking so bad that I was actually in a performance, on the stage a number of years ago, and there was a couch on the set, and I was sitting there, and it had been raining outside, and all of a sudden I feel this drop.
1: Drop, uh-huh. drop
0: on top of my head, uh-huh. and it was the roof leaking and yeah. coming through the attic and the rafters. That's how bad mm-hmm. it was getting. So, after the roof was fixed, then we had all the other things that we had to go around and fix, like the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, that was quite an ordeal as well. We had to bring uh, company in to completely, you know, replaster and do the inside of the walls. Then we had to do quite a bit of work on the outside brick to keep the water from leaking in. Oh, okay. Uh, there, yeah, it's been an extensive amount of work.
1: The uh, the ceiling in here is really ornate and beautiful. What is?
0: It is tin. tin Pressed tin, mm-hmm. is pressed that what? Pressed tin, yes.
1: Yeah, that, that's another feature I, I guess I see in a lot of historic older venues, it's really beautiful. it's right. completely been preserved. Did that require any particular renovation itself, repainting?
0: It, yes, it was repainted quite a number of years ago, probably um, over 25 years ago, the ceiling was painted.
1: Yeah, that's really beautiful. Well, was that the main problem? Are there other ongoing upkeep issues?
0: That was the that was the big one. Mm-hmm. That was the main. The roof, the walls. Of course, a um, few years back, we had the floors redone, and by redone, I mean they were just you know sanded back down and mm-hmm. refinished because they were they were looking pretty worn, as you can yeah. imagine. Um, and that's that's a kind of an upkeep that we'll have to do every few years. Okay. And we just, you know, we know that there we know that there are things that will have to be done. You know, when you have a building that's over 130 years old, you just know that there are things that are going to have to be done on a routine basis and some that you know in a few years we're going to have to yeah. refinish the floors again. In a few years we're going to have to do this again.
1: That leads to a question and then a question I need to ask before answering that. Um, So the, the question that occurs to me there is, since this building is formally designated as a historic building, does that come with particular maintenance responsibilities? But before we get into that, let me back up to where I probably should have started. What does it mean to be historical, because that is a formal designation the building has. So how did you go about getting that, or how do you maintain that, and who who certifies
0: that? Well, that was also given to us back in 1984. Okay. So that is designated through the Texas Historical Commission, Okay. and there are certain criteria that has to be met for that, and one of those, of course, is how old the building is, how well preserved it is, Um, and then there are are um, criteria that you have to continue to meet with that. For instance, the outside of the building. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't really go and do any major or even minor changes to the outside of the building mm-hmm. without approval for that as well.
1: And do you have a obligation to maintain it, not to not modify it, but to actually you know maintain yes. it in a current state? Yes. 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 And how is that enforced? Are there regular inspections, or no. is okay?
0: Nope, no regular inspections. So it's not that onerous? <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about um, the inside then? Because I know my kind of point of reference, the theater I've been most involved with in the past few years is, is the Gaslight Baker, mm-hmm. which is in a pretty similar situation. And they, one problem they've had is they've been unable to conveniently upgrade their restroom facilities to modern yeah. standards just because you're in a historic space. It is of a certain shape and size and... Mm-hmm. I presume there's some things you're allowed to do and some things you're not. So have you run into any problems in terms of not being able to make improvements that you'd like?
0: Well, considering the fact that when this building was first built, there was no plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> That's big. You know, yeah. I'm not sure the exact date that the plumbing was added or that the restrooms were added. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, one of the one of the things that we hear our patrons say quite often is, well, some of the some of the stalls are small. And there's not a lot that we can do about that. It's, -hmm. it it kind of is what it is because of the age of the building, uh, the size of the building, we just don't have room to expand. Mm -hmm.
1: As I recall, this may be very outdated information when I was doing a show here 10 plus years ago, there, there were pretty limited entrances because it's it's a stage that was designed 100 and what you say, 130 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still have to contend with that limitations to like the, the backstage arrangement, that sort of thing? Yes. Yeah, and I presume there's basically no fixing that because again, it's historic building camp. Right, right, it. right. Yeah.
0: Um, as far as our backstage, I mean, there are no exits really You know, backstage. There's our backstage wings are very small. Uh-huh. But I've often joked and said, we're tiny, but we're mighty. And uh-huh. some of the shows that we've been able to do here, like Newsies, and yeah. um, we've got the Adams family coming up. Some big cast. It's amazing yeah. what we can do, how many people we can fit backstage. Uh-huh. Um, and people who have never been back there, they they think we just have these huge wings because mm-hmm. we do so much on this little stage. Mm-hmm. As far as the actual exits in and out of the building, Mm -hmm. we really just have the front exit and the back exit. You can see over here where the exit sign is, Mm -hmm. and that leads out. Yeah. And a lot of that is because of the way the building was designed 130 years ago.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Different considerations, different restraints. So how do you get around, I've been to to this backstage, there is not room for a large cast. So uh, how, how do you get around that?
0: We do a, we do a fantastic job, I think, with, with being creative with our actors and our our um, props and our sets. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I saw the set design just yesterday for the upcoming Adams Family, mm-hmm. and the gentleman that is designing it for us, you know, he has a, a master's degree in this and. He was being very creative with how to how to flip sets and rotate sets and, yeah, move things from one one place to another to reuse,
1: yeah, compact construction certainly exactly. But I mean, you also don't have a green room or any anything like that built in. So do you have external facilities you've had to rely on or
0: we well, we do have what we call our studio. And that is mm-hmm. a small metal building right behind the theater. And that's where, I guess you would call it a green room. It's where our actors um, go to get ready. There's two mm-hmm. dressing rooms in there. It's where they would wait for actors call. Um, during the week, we have some rehearsals in there as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned also new facilities beyond the, yes. the studio in, yes. in, the, in the near future house. So can you tell me about that?
0: Well, this has been something that has been talked about for quite a number of years, but the time was just never right. Mm-hmm. But we are growing so much, not just in Bastrop, but here at the Opera House. Yeah. For instance, this current season, we have 10 shows in our season. Mm-hmm. And so we are typically rehearsing about three shows at one time.
1: That is an extremely busy season.
0: It is, which means we usually have a show rehearsing on the stage, uh-huh. one in the studio, and then we have... We usually find someplace else for um, uh, okay. a church or um, another building for another show to be rehearsing, and they just kind of cycle in. But we also have a performing arts academy here for our youth, and we typically have about 50 kids from the ages of seven to 19
1: Are some of these shows part of that, or is that entirely um, separate?
0: The Techies, which is going on now, mm-hmm. is um, being performed by our select audition-only teen troupe. Okay. The rest are not academy related, but they do get to perform as well. So we go yeah. by semesters and at the end of the semester, there's, we have three different classes and they are fit into and in between our main stage shows to get to perform. Then we have our summer camp, which lasts two weeks. Mm-hmm. So between our main stage shows, 50 kids in our academy that, I mean, this place comes to life in the mm-hmm. afternoons, we just don't have enough space. So our board of directors decided that it is time that we are able on our lot. We have a little lot that we own here next to our building. It's Mm -hmm. paid for, has been for years. And we are going to build on that. So we're going to have a small black box and more rehearsal spaces, um, office space. And um, we're going to be starting, we have started a big capital campaign. This is probably a two to three year um, project that we're looking at. Mm-hmm.
1: I imagine upkeep on any facility, even if you happen to have it from the get-go, is very expensive. We've talked about expensive renovations and you're talking about expansions. Mm-hmm. How does funding work here? Surely ticket sales are not no. you know, supporting all of this.
0: <laughs> Tickets, no theater, not from the smallest to the largest no. can survive on ticket sales alone. So... We have a numerous ways besides just the ticket sales. Mm -hmm. Um, We do uh, get grants as well. We have a number of grants that we get yearly that help us support grants from our city. Mm -hmm. We are considered one of the assets here in Bastrop County because probably over 60% of our patrons come from outside of Bastrop County to see our, our shows. So they consider us almost a tourist. Yeah, draw. Yeah, yeah, draw, that's yes, right. So we do get funding to help underwrite many of our shows. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, season sponsors, mm-hmm. and they are also vital to the program. And these program. are individual donors? Individual donors, companies. Oh, okay. Um, yes, oh. that 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 is vital to, to what we do as well.
1: When you're talking grants, are those generally one-off for specific purposes, like the roof renovations, that sort of thing, or do they tend to be general funding for the organization as a whole?
0: They tend to be project-based. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, possibly, you know, to underwrite the season, mm-hmm. or like you said, to do the roof. Um, they might be historic-based for um, to help with the building, but um, typically, it is not for um, operational expenses.
1: Which, what would that include?
0: Um, operational expenses would be, for instance, uh, payroll or, um, you know, helping you to keep the lights on, okay. that sort of thing. So it's the, the, the regular yeah.
1: non artistic maintenance. Right, right, yeah. It's, Everything that actually goes with owning your own facility exactly, and, yeah, <laughs> and maintaining yeah. a historic building. Right.
0: But when you are able to have support, mm-hmm. By grants to help with your programs, then that takes a lot of the pressure off of there so that then finances can go to other areas to help. Okay.
1: Switching gears a little, does the, the historic nature of the building itself have any effect on the artistic element of, of theater?
0: You know, you would think so, but it really doesn't. Really? <laughs> right. And we don't plan our seasons saying, well, this is a historic building, let's do older themed, yeah. you know. You could do a
1: bunch of melodrama, <laughs> Right, right, yeah, style. yeah.
0: We haven't done a melodrama or a vaudeville in a while here, actually. Mm-hmm. If you see our season, we ha- we try to have a nice mixture mm-hmm. of musicals, more modern musicals, and like, for instance, this season we have The Addams Family, and then we have one that's the classic, you know, The Music Man. Yeah. And then we have one that's very family-oriented, that's The Willy Wonka, yeah. The Musical. Um, and then we have you know, a variety of different types of shows, some new works and some very familiar classics like Still Magnolias.
1: Yeah, and you don't play it safe all the time either. Misery seems, yeah, uh, that's, that's yeah, an adaptation yeah. of the Stephen King. Exactly, yeah, that so
0: was, we weren't really sure how that one was gonna go over, but the audience loved it. Really? And yes, and it did very well. There were people who came from quite a distance just to see that one. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, we have our um, Still Away Home. That's the next show coming up. And that is um, uh, being performed in February, Mm -hmm. which is Black History Month. And our director is uh, Doc Jackson. He Mm -hmm. is a black director and much of the cast is is black. And it is about the Underground Railroad. Okay. So it, it is a very historic piece. I'm
1: going to go off on a side topic because it's the topic of the episode prior to this one, which is is about diversity and creating inclusive spaces. Mm-hmm. Is that a part of the organization's mission?
0: Absolutely. We want anybody, no matter what their age, their color, mm-hmm. their gender, their religion, their politics, whatever. It doesn't matter. We want them to feel very comfortable and very safe here. Mm-hmm. We've worked hard to be inclusive. Last season, we had Crown's The Musical on our season, and that was the first all-black musical that was done here on our stage.
1: Great. Well, I hate to bounce around uh, narratively so much, but I've been staring at the stage itself this whole time. It is unusually tall it is Uh, and I'm sure this is just a an artifact of when it was built and designed but is it five feet off the ground it's not quite five feet
0: I don't I don't recall the exact measurements but it's not quite five five feet but it's over four feet
1: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it's much taller than the Mm -hmm. average stage Mm -hmm. and the the audience seating is not raked no so it's you're kind of looking up
0: right Um, do
1: you have to work around that in any particular way uh,
0: sometimes yes you know, you definitely cannot see the actor's feet most of the time.
1: There is a balcony, but it's occupied by tech.
0: Right. right, Our tech for public seating. Yeah. Years and years ago, it was a functioning balcony, but Mm -hmm. it hasn't been used in, oh, I don't know how long ago it became non-functional and all of our tech is up there now. But as far as the stage and its height, you know, we have, it's open underneath and there's quite a bit of storage. So Mm -hmm. we, we use that for storage underneath. Um, you know, it does have its advantages and its yeah. disadvantages being up that high. No matter where you sit, you can see people <laughs> on the stage, that's for sure, because right. it is up high.
1: Yeah, I'm really not aware. I've never considered to what degree do most shows rely on the floor being visible to convey anything in particular right. to the audience. But it's just it's just a given. So usually right. you have to at least, you know, worry about the painting and making sure like your your spike tape isn't too obnoxiously visible, right? Uh, right yeah. but I guess that's just a different situation here. You don't have to worry about you, those you particular don't, issues. You
0: do no. no.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Well, speaking of tech, it looks like you have a fairly, you know, modern lighting rig. Have there been any particular challenges integrating modern technology, lighting and sound into the historic space? Any concerns about modifying structures?
0: Well, a number of years ago, we had, um, the lighting system was very old. Uh And honestly, we never knew whether they were going to make it through a show or not. (laughs) (laughs) And the electricity needed to be, the wiring needed to be updated. Uh So we did spend quite a bit of money on that as well. So our new lighting system is probably about three years old now. Those are all new. Mm -hmm. But before that, we had electricians come in and completely update the wiring as well. Mm So we are very modern. Um, I know you can't see our equipment from here, but we have everything from state-of-the-art streaming equipment to sound equipment. Really?
1: hmm Did the streaming get into place? Was that related to the COVID situation? Oh, absolutely. I know a lot of theaters absolutely. kind of got by that mm-hmm. era. hmm <laughs> I say that era as if it's past. We hope it's past. We hope it's passing.
0: right. But- right. And we did, too. That that was a, another option for us. Mm-hmm. We never went to just streaming our shows, but mm-hmm. it was also an option because in the beginning we could only, you know, we had to drop our occupancy level. We could right. only have so many in here. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, a lot of people didn't feel safe coming back. Yeah. So streaming was an option for them as well. And we aren't able to get the rights to stream every show, but mm-hmm. when we can, then we still stream usually a couple of our Saturday performances, and um, those go over really well.
1: How do streaming rights work? Is it the uh, same same way as uh, regular shows, a per, per performance license?
0: It is. You have to apply for it just like that, but separate than your um, performance license, in-person license.
1: Those are usually based on uh expected audience sizes the licensing cost right is that this how do they estimate that with streaming or is it done just differently it's just
0: it's usually just a flat fee but you can't always get permission to do that so yeah, yeah. um one update that we've gone to that I'm really happy about is all of our musicals now our actors are miked mm-hmm. in our musicals and that was quite an investment as well yeah um before they just had to try to out project the <laughs> yeah the music
1: I assume uh, there's no room for live band here. Your musicals use- Oh, we have
0: live bands quite a bit. Oh, really? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I think the biggest one we've had before is a five-piece, but they, they're typically tucked right over there.
1: Okay, so this is off to stage uh-huh. left.
0: Right, right, yeah. Okay. And audience loves it. You yeah. can't always do such... Sometimes the show might really need a bigger orchestra to have that full sound. Yeah. And then we go to tracks. Yeah. So we definitely as many theaters do, have a storage issue. Yeah. So what we have to do is we have about three storage units Mm -hmm. off-site, that we have to rent monthly to keep our bigger set pieces, props, and so forth. Then we'll have things stored back in our studio. We have things underneath the stage. We have mm-hmm. things upstairs. We have <laughs> well, every nook get... and cranny. You'll you'll find that we've we have something stuffed in there. <laughs> I think that's that's something
1: that probably isn't that intuitive to folks who aren't involved in running theaters. What all needs to be stored?
0: Yes, a good deal of it of it is costumes and props for sure. Um, you don't want to have to go and purchase new costumes every show. I mean, sometimes you just do, but...
1: I, y- I've worked with theaters, one that required you to rent your own costume for each show oh. just because they didn't have the funding. Right, you know, That's something right. That some places do. And I've also worked with organizations that only rent from you know, from like New York. They do the, mm-hmm. the big rent-a-whole-show mm-hmm. uh, type of situation. So some don't maintain their own space at all. But I think that's probably highly correlated with theaters that are more in an urban setting where space is much more at a premium. Right, yes. We're here in the rural area, at least that that is relatively inexpensive. Definitely relatively. Not inexpensive in an absolute sense. <laughs> right,
0: right. And we do have, I, I like to, to take pride in our costume inventory. Uh-huh. In fact, we have other theaters quite often, um, and the drama departments here, the public schools will come and ask us, you know, do you have this costume? Can we borrow this costume? So... You know, we're we're often helping other theaters out with costumes because we are fortunate to have a nice inventory. Mm -hmm. But we also store, you, you know, for instance, our flats.
1: Yeah, and what are flats for folks who aren't involved in set design? I don't know how to explain <laughs> they're, they're they're like a reusable set piece, right? They're they're just yes, they're,
0: yes. They're, they're
1: parts of a set that are kind of a blank canvas. They right, have, they have right. structure. There's a mov- right. movable wall. Yes, more you, or less? Yeah.
0: you could consider them a movable wall. Mm-hmm. They paint on them. They divide. Are yours um, canvas? A lot of them are canvas. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And then we just have a lot of wood. As you know, (laughs) wood is very expensive and we hate to throw any of it away. So Mm -hmm. we have this nice big wood pile on the side of the building over here that our techs and carpenters are able to go out there and just rummage through. Mm
1: -hmm. I know in general, you don't repeat shows for long periods of time. So there's no point in saving individual custom-made set pieces that are unique to a show. Um, I guess flats are part of the solution to that in that they're reusable walls that you can, you know, repaint and repaint right. and repaint. They can be parts of different structures. Uh, but do you, do you make any particular consideration toward aiming to have reusable set pieces?
0: We do quite often. In fact, I don't remember what show it was, but not too long ago as I was watching as they were building a set mm-hmm. and I could see parts of five different shows, five different <laughs> previous shows up there. Yeah on the flats where they had been painted. And of course they got all repainted, but we try to reuse as much as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. I mean, that helps with our storage so that we're not having to, you know, just pile things up, but it also helps keep expenses down when we use and reuse. And the same would go with our our props and our costumes. And um, you might see the same costume two or three times over, you know, Two or three years. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for, oh, for talking welcome. to me about this.
0: No, thank you for coming out and visiting with me about it.
1: Yeah, and hopefully, you know, in another 20, 50, 100 years, this will it'll still be, here. Still tell be part s- of the story. Telling you know?
0: stories, yeah.
1: Where can listeners find out more about the
0: Opera House? Our webpage would be the best place. Mm-hmm. And they can go to bastropoperahouse.org. And you will actually find some videos there that are that are really cool that talk about the history of our facility here.
1: That's great. Do you have, have photos there, too?
0: There are some photos, yes.
1: Yeah, I'll post a link to those on the show notes. Oh, great. All right, thanks. This has been the Community of Theater podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep them coming, please leave a review in your podcast app. It really helps the show's visibility. If you're part of a company that performs in a historic venue and you think there's more to say on this topic, I would love to hear from you. To contact me for that or with suggestions or feedback of any kind, you can email me at communityoftheater@gmail.com, at or message the show on Facebook. Thanks for listening. And if you're currently in a production, break a leg.